Welcome to The Heath Barnes Show, bringing you interviews and insights to grow your business from some of today's leading voices in the mortgage industry. The Heath Barnes Show is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now, here's your host, Heath Barnes. Welcome to another episode of Mortgages Reimagined. I'm your host, Heath Barnes, and I am over the moon excited to have what I consider my new friend, uh, Matt Westervelt, on the show today. What's going on, Matt? How you doing, Heath? It's, it's a real pleasure to be here. Like I think I told you a couple of times in the past, just being a part of the core and part of the Houston real estate community, you're an absolute legend in both worlds. So it's just an honor that I've been invited onto the show with you. I appreciate that flattery, but it's not necessary. But I appreciate you being on the show. You know, my first, I think it's interesting. My first connection with you, as you remember, is a couple months ago. I've heard about you through Derek Geithner, a mutual friend of ours, when you worked at Ibera Bank. But I called Derek and I said, hey, man, would you like to come to Amplified? I was hosting an event about two months ago here in Houston and had a couple of people drop out. And he said, I can't go, but you know, you, you might call Matt. That guy is super driven, but he just had a kid like a week ago. And I'm like, well, it's in two weeks. He's probably not. <laughs> I literally called you, Matt. And you were like, yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably in, man. Let, let, hold on, give me, let me, give me one day. I'll call you back. And sure enough, like you yeah. were like, yeah, no, I'm all in. So, so I appreciate that, man. where do you get that drive from? Yeah. So I think, uh, couple of reasons. One, you know, I just was always an athlete growing up, played, you know, football, basketball my whole life, played high, you know, high school football, college football. And so I think the, the inner athlete in me is just super, super competitive. Right. And, you know, I've had a, a period in my time in my past where honestly finances were a real issue. Right. So I'm very motivated by financial success. Some people are, uh, I, I think ashamed to talk about that. I'm personally not just because of some of the financial struggles that I, I've had in my own life. And I think that's what's really drawn me to this business is to help other people in their finances and help them be financially successful. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you've been in the business now about 10 years, and I know you were with a, a bank before. And on our pre-call, you were sharing with me that uh, on your first summit, like in 2018, you realized you were the only guy in the room of 500 people that worked at a bank. So tell, can, just so the audience can uh, get to know you a little bit and your journey, I'd love to hear your story, uh, like how you got in the business and your first uh, summit. Yeah, sure. So to rewind a little bit to about 2009, you know, I was in college at the time and um, getting ready to go back fall semester junior year. And we're at the height of the financial crisis, right? My dad was in the construction business. Construction got hit, like all real estate got hit really hard during that period. And basically sat down one day and said, uh, hey, don't have the money to send you back to school. Right. So that was a big shock for me. And that's kind of, I think, when the whole motivation of finances really started in my life. Right. Um, and so I was very fortunate. This was going into my junior year. 
right? Okay. So, so you know, I was very fortunate at that time that I had a I had an internship on Wall Street. So I was born and raised in Connecticut, right outside of Manhattan, about 50 miles north in Fairfield County. Before I ultimately moved to Houston about seven or eight years ago, but so had an opportunity for that internship to go full, and so kind of had made the decision that I wasn't going to get myself into $150,000 of student debt, right? So I said, hey, let's just take this and, and see where it goes, right? So before I was on the mortgage side of the business, I was in wealth management for about three or four years. And, you know, I very quickly learned that that's one of those businesses that where the grayer your temples are, the more credibility you have, right? Totally. And no wealthy investor or entrepreneur was handing over them and their family's life savings to a, a 19 or 20 year old kid, right? right? So basically did that for three or four years, literally made no money, like was a super financially hard period of my life. And then ultimately through that wealth management career ended up landing at Wells Fargo Advisors, which for those that don't know is Wells Fargo's wealth management arm. And again, same thing. I'm 22, 23 years old. No one's handing over their life savings to me, right? Um, really struggling from a sales perspective, a financial perspective. But at the time, and, and as a matter of fact, I still think they probably do this to this day, I was getting compensated for referring mortgages to the Wells Fargo Home Mortgage Group. Okay. Um, and growing up, my, my mom was a realtor, all of her friends and all the people that I grew up knowing were realtors, right? And so they were starting to send me business a little bit. And uh, the branch manager of Wells Fargo at the local office that I was referring all these mortgages to just called me up and said, hey, I know you're not making any money over at Wells Fargo Advisors and you're sending me like two or three deals a month. Why don't you just come do this full time? Right. And so I said, sure, I, I don't think I have anything to lose. So did that. And then as far as my mortgage career, the rest is kind of history. But how I ultimately ended up in, in Houston was about a, a little more than a year after being in the mortgage business. You know, I had someone at Wells Fargo, given my history there on the wealth management side, call me up and say, hey, the Wells Fargo advisor's office in Houston, Texas needs a mortgage banker. Are you interested? And, you know, growing up in the New York metropolitan area, never having really left that area outside of vacations, you know, to Florida and the Bahamas and stuff as a kid, I only knew about Texas what I saw in pop culture, right? I was like, I'm not moving to Texas. What, what am I going to ride a horse to work? Like, I knew nothing about what I was getting myself into, right? And, you know, I just, I, I, I learned more and more about Houston and how big and metropolitan of a city that it was. And then about two months later, after that opportunity arose, you know, a girl that I was dating at the time, that at that time, I ultimately thought I was going to marry, her and I split up and I said, well, hey, I really don't have anything to lose. If Texas doesn't work out, I can always move back to New York a year later. And that was almost eight years ago now. And, you know, moving to Houston from both a career perspective and a personal life perspective, I met my wife here. We have two beautiful daughters under two. And yeah, I mean, it's been the best decision I've ever made moving to Texas. Yeah, nice. Well, it's it's almost Christmas here. I don't know if this will be released around by February, but you know, you so you recently moved to NFN Lending. I'd love to know, you know, why what made you move to NFN Lending and maybe to some of our listeners that might be thinking about switching uh companies, like what what moved you into NFN Lending? What advice would you give somebody that's looking at change companies? 
Yeah, sure. Well, I guess first and foremost, just to to circle back to your comment at the beginning of our call about kind of the eye-opening moment that I had when I first attended my first course summit. I think it was, you know, in the fall 2018, so almost about three years ago. So I go there, right? And, you know, I'm at a bank, so I'm primarily a jumbo loan officer, right? I think my average loan size at that time was probably eight or 900 grand, which, you know, Houston isn't the Bay Area. So that's a pretty big loan amount for Texas. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so, I, you know, I went thinking like, okay, I'm going to learn a little bit, but my stuff doesn't stink, right? Like I, I'm, I'm the business, right? And then I go there at, the point, at that point in time, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm probably making low to mid six figures. And I walk into this room of 500 rock stars and I'm the only person in the room that works for a depository bank. And everybody in the room makes at least five times more than I do. And I said, okay, wait a second. What am I doing wrong? Right. Right. And then I just dove headfirst into the core and the core model on how to build your business properly on referrals and how to build a team. And really what ultimately drove me to leave the company that I was at and join NFM Lending was just kind of that career and team progression. I just think in this business, it's it's really important to be a part of an organization that is going to support your vision for your business and adding staff so that you can grow your business exponentially while still having a semblance of life balance outside of the office, especially if you have a family and children like I do. So, you know, I probably talked to eight or 10 different companies before I ultimately decided on NFM. And it was really just a great fit. We're a, you know, we're a mid-sized company. We'll probably fund about 10 or 12 billion as an organization this year. So you're not, uh, it's not an organization where I'm so big that I'm a number, but it's also not so small that we can't compete with, you know, some of the larger competitors in the marketplace. So really from a size and a culture perspective, they were just really a sweet spot for me and why I ultimately decided to land with them. Yeah. Yeah. I love David Silverman and Jan and that whole group there. They they have the uh, bottom up service mentality, which I think is going to be essential moving forward as uh, fintech and other pressures come in on our, our industry. So- and, and to give them a little bit of credit as well, you know, one of really my deciding factors for anyone out there that's maybe considering NFM in their journey. NFM was really the first company that I've ever worked for and one of the first companies that I've ever talked to where the management team treats the loan officers and branch managers like their clients, not employees. And that was really important to me. Yeah, definitely family environment. So, you know, when I, I switched companies probably, I don't know, seven or uh, 2017. And, you know, my list was I needed good leadership. They had to have uh, good products. They needed to be nationwide. They need to sell yeah. directly to Fannie and Freddie. I need to have a uh, P&L. Um, so yeah, everyone has different um, topics or things in which they need to address when changing companies. But anyways, like you said earlier, entering you know very in unusual times in our industry, they're talking about increasing mortgage rate. And I think in the future, we need to tighten things up. I'm, I'm curious, you know, what are two or three things that you're doing to look into the future to say, okay, I'm, how am I going to compete in, in the uh, new environment that we're about to enter? Yeah, sure. So I think really it's just, I think a, a lot of people talk about this in this business, but it's a lot harder to implement than it is to say. 
but leading with advice versus price, right? You know, the way our team operates is, you know, we really truly see ourselves as almost a, a financial advisor to our clients or an extension of their financial advisor and their holistic wealth management and financial planning, right? And maybe that's a little bit of my background coming from that side of the business first, but I think, you know, really going above and beyond and having that conversation of, hey, here's not just a rate and payment, but how does this strategy fit into your overall financial life? And really just providing value, right? Because, you know, anybody can close a loan. Most companies have good rates. Like a lot of loan officers say that, and it always makes me chuckle like, oh, we have like really good rates and we close on time. Like that's the price to entry. No one calls on a realtor or a client and says, hey, our rates stink and we're probably going to miss closing by three days. Right, right? Right. So you have to go above and beyond and just really not just build the relationship with those referral partners and clients, but truly add value by being more than just an application taker. I, I love that. I'm, I'm going to steal that from you. Advice versus price. but And I agree with you 100%, providing value, not only to, the, to your realtors, but also to your clients. And uh, the, I think the best advice... Uh, we can give loan officers today and clients if they're listening is the new environment that we're in today is a highly inflationary environment. And so you got to flip what you thought before, which is, okay, let me put a lot of money down. Let me pay it off as quickly as possible because that's good. And today that's the worst advice. Like it's put as least the money down. Don't pay a penny more because if your interest rate is between three and 4% or it's below inflation, you're ahead of the game. And I'm actually starting another podcast called Money Reimagined, where we'll be talking about money, cryptocurrency, and other things uh, such as that. So anyways, but I love that advice versus price and providing value. What value are you providing like to the agents now? You know, besides closing on time, what other strategies do you provide? Yeah, well, I think a, a big part of the, the value that we're able to provide to our agent partners is, of course, you know, constantly looking for, through our own network, unrepresented clientele that we can refer back to our partners and reciprocate in that regard. But I think really just to, to circle back to my experience in the core and not just the, the rock star loan officers that I've been exposed to but also the rock star realtors from all over the country and seeing what they're doing and how they're building their teams and how they're just absolutely killing it in their marketplace and taking those tips and tactics and sharing those with our realtor partners. So, you know, one of the things that we're sharing with our realtor partners with right now is the idea of the showing agent versus the buyer's agent, right? And so if you think about a typical big real estate team, right? You have a team lead with a bunch of buyer's agents and those that team lead is sometimes splitting 50, 60, 80% of the commission with that buyer's agent. Well, my thought process for our realtors is, you know, why are you giving up half or three quarters of your revenue to somebody that's benefiting from your database and your clientele? So some of the thing that we're coaching our realtors on is, hey, put your licensed salespeople on salaries plus per file bonuses versus commission splits. 
And I think those are the types of conversations that really help us stand out as a lender, where our agents truly feel like we're partners with them and almost consultants in their business versus just a vendor, right? Like if we can help uh, an agent grow their business and, you know, increase their margins by 10% while keeping their staff happy, that's something else that no other lender is doing, in my opinion. Yeah, it's funny you bring that out. Bring that up. I just came back from uh, Tony Robbins' uh, date with Destiny in Florida, and it's a six-day event. It's pretty intense. But my buddy, uh, my partner, while I was there, was a realtor from uh, New Jersey, and he has a couple of buyers agents, and he literally is giving them half the commissions on the deals that he brings in. Like he brings it in, he gives it to them, takes them out to show a house, and they get half. And I think the mentality right. is you believe that people are like you. And so because you would want that, you think they do. But most people enter in the real estate industry, like they, they want security and certainty. And so I, I like that angle that you're using, giving some advice, becoming kind of partners with the agents, right? For sure. For sure. Yeah. And really just, again, setting yourself apart as a consultant and, you know, someone that, it genuinely cares about their growth and their business and how you can help them make more money. I think whether it's clients, realtors, or anybody in this business, if you focus on other people's money, one, that's where you're going to provide the most value. And then your own money is just going to reflect, you know, putting others first. Yeah. You know, you've been in the business for 10 years and I wish, you know, I was as, would have been as far as long as you in 10 years. And I think what that, what that show is, shows is people that go through really tough times, like it, it produces an enormous amount of, of strength internally. You know, when we're going through those tough times, we look at it like, why is this happening to me? When maybe it's happening for you. Maybe that time that you're going through is just a gift. Maybe that time you went through in college with your father was a gift. Maybe being an advisor was a gift because it was building the drive and the focus in you that would make you take a phone call a week after your baby's born to attend an event that cost you $5,000 because you're thirsty to get to the next level. And I admire your drive, but, uh, Moving on to, uh, so any, what, what are some habits that you think some loan officers, either a new loan office or someone that has a little bit of experience, we've gone through some a really good times, which create really weak people, right? So what are the things or pieces of advice you're going to give a loan officer, like one or two things that, that, that they should be focused on as interest rates come up, as the refis go away? Yeah, so again, I think, if you're going to be successful long-term in this business, your business should really rely on the realtor partners, right? And focusing on that purchase side of the business. Because don't get me wrong, the last two years have been great. If you've been a loan officer, you could have walked in off the street from bagging groceries, gotten a call center and made three, 400 grand a year just doing refis, right? But as we shift into this new market, this rising rate environment, um, no matter what the economy is doing, no matter what rates are doing, people are always going to need to move, right? For family reasons, career reasons, personal reasons, people are always going to buy and sell homes regardless of what interest rates and the underlying economy does. So my advice to any newer, newer loan officers out there would be 
focus on the purchases almost exclusively, and you will get refinances over the years from your purchases because you're building up that database. Now, if all of a sudden you have a three or five year period where we're at three and a half, four, four and a half, and then maybe five years from now, rates drop back down to 3%, you have all of that purchase business for yourself that's not going anywhere, and then you can refinance your entire database. Really, the way I look at refinances is that's the icing on the cake and the purchases are the cake, right? Number one. Number two, I think, you know, just do what you say you're going to do. I think reputation and integrity are everything in this business. I think people work with me because of me. I think people work with Heath because of Heath, not because I'm at NFM Lending or you're at Cardinal Financial or whatever the case may be. I just think keeping your word, if you say you're going to do something, do it. And you know, just really being a dependable person for your partners, your clients, as well as your team. I think a lot of times in this business, we focus so much on clients and we focus so much on referral partners that we forget, we forget about our team. Right. But as team leaders and branch managers and regionals and whatever your type, the financial success, not only of our clients and, and referral partners, but of our team members and their livelihoods are in our hands. Right. So we have a responsibility to drive leads and be able to keep them employed and be able to keep them successful. And I'm a firm believer that if you take care of your team, they will take great care of your clients. So, you know, the culture in our office is my number one client is my team. And then my team takes great care of our clients. I like that. If you're listening, that's a good piece of advice that uh, you can start using moving forward. Tell me about your team. How's your team set up? I'm curious. You were working at the bank. How was your team at the bank? You went to NFM Lending. You said, I want to change things. What I heard you say is I went, I, I needed to get away from the bank because I got a little bit more flex- flexibility. Tell me what your team looks like now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, moving out of the bank world, uh, you know, I, I transitioned from a retail to a P&L model, right? So got a lot more flexibility on decision-making and, and things like that. And so basically what we do is I've got basically two LP1s or application specialists on the front end. Their jobs are basically to, you know, take in the leads, get the initial application, schedule a loan consultation with me. And really because of COVID, what we've really done is during COVID is we were meeting with all clients face-to-face via Zoom. And even though that, (coughs) at least here in Texas, COVID restrictions and kind of lifestyle changes are for all intents and purposes over, but we have not gotten away from Zoom. What we found is it really allows us to build a, a deeper connection with clients when they see that they're dealing with a real human being and not just a voice over the phone or somebody typing them an email, right? And then I've got you know three processors or as we call them in the core, LP2s on the back end. So we kind of have a split up between the front end, back end, front end takes in the leads, pre-qualifies clients. Once we're on the contract, they lock the rate and send disclosures. And then from disclosure to funding, the LP2s take over. Yeah, nice. And so tell me a little bit about your production. What will you end up closing this year? And is this your best show? I'm sure last year might have been equally as good. Yeah, so it's funny having that transition from the bank world to the to the non-bank world, as I like to call it. My production is down, but my income is up. And so it's it's an interesting conundrum that I don't think I've ever been happy about production going down. But 
really coming to the non-bank world and not having a bank portfolio. You know, I think in 2018 and 2019, my average loan amount, like I said, was about 900,000. And now this year, it's about 375 to 400. Right. So we'll do about 70 to 75 million this year as a team, whereas wow. I probably did about 130, where I, I probably did about 130 million the year before. But I, I'm really proud of that, even though we're down, because we completely transformed our business from being all, almost exclusively jumbo to now primarily conventional and government. So even though the dollar amount is down, we did that. We completely transformed our business. And I'm super proud of that. Yeah. And, you know, Jumbo, it's, you know, it's a slice of business we like because of our ego, right? The big loan amounts, but where the money, you know, typically is made is conventional FHA. So sure. yeah, man, I'm, I'm super proud of you. I'm curious if, if you had a tagline, you know, I was listening to my uh, wife yesterday on, on a coaching call of hers and the advice that uh, her coach was giving her is she said, you know, why don't you come up with a tagline like Nike? Their tagline is just do it, right? Everyone knows that. Just do it. You know, I was thinking State Farm, their tagline is like a good neighbor. State Farm is there, right? And why don't we as, as individuals have a tagline, whether it's, you know, for yourself or for your business, something that you could go back to and 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 say. I'm curious. Do you have a tagline? That's a great question. I don't know that anybody have a tagline. What would you want it to be? Or ask me that. And I think you know, if I had to put put me on the spot, if I had to if I had to pick something, I would just say maybe you know, grind it out. And 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 what what I mean by that is in this business, and even going back to sports, right. Um, I've never been the most talented person on the field or in the business. I, I, I can tell you for sure I'm nowhere near the most intelligent, right? But I like to think that I'm just going to work harder than the next guy, and I want it more than the next guy. I care about my clients more than the next guy or gal. And I think that's what's made us successful is just, you know, doing the right thing day in and day out and just taking great care of people because we care and we grind it out, I think. You know, if, if I had to summarize my personality and how my team operates, that's how I would characterize it. I like it. I, I would agree. Grind it out. How about for someone that's uh, new in the business, maybe uh, one to three years that, you know, they've got, they haven't seen any difficult times. And if I think when, when you, most people are wanting to be lean, but, you know, if you had just a basic team for somebody that let's say they're doing five to 10 loans a, a month. What advice would you give them on like hiring a team since recently you did that? And you know, like, who would they hire first and who would they hire second? Any advice there? Yeah. So I think especially transitioning into the market that I think we're all transitioning to, right? I think you definitely, I think you definitely want to stay lean. I think as a, as a, as an industry, we're probably a little bit overstaffed right now for the changes that are coming. And you're already starting to see it uh, with some of these online lenders and the big headlines with layoffs and things like that. So I would say protect your team culture at all costs right? Slow to hire, quick to fire, I think is the mantra to live by as a leader. But also, if you're going to make your first hire, I think it's got to be that back-end LP2 rockstar operations person. Like, I wouldn't hire an LP1 if you're doing if you're doing 10 loans a month. You don't need a junior loan officer on the sales side. You need somebody to take that processing and underwriting away from you 
um, so that you can go out and get to 15 or 20 units a month. And then once you hit there, then you start building and scaling the front end of the process. Yeah, definitely. So earlier you were talking about taking care of your team. And that's one of the things that you do because they're your number one client. For some of our listeners, what are you know maybe three or four things you're doing right now to take care of your team in these difficult times? Yeah. So number one is we've got on our whiteboard in our conference room, we've got our target and we don't look at, we don't look at the loans we close as units or dollar volume. If you walk into my office today at the top of the whiteboard in the conference room, it says 20 families helped. So every time we hit 20 closings in a month, that's our mark where we celebrate where we'll go out to lunch or we'll go to dinner or we'll go to top golf and just have a fun team event, right? And just, you know, have those team bonding moments and and get away from the office as a team, right? And then something else that we do that I actually took from, you know, just an all around great guy and even, you know, probably even a better mortgage professional is JJ Mazo, who's, who's a core coach. I took this from him and Chad Lubin, who's a really great friend and mentor of mine. Every single Friday, They buy their entire team lunch. They have lunch as a team. They have a weekly recap meeting and they discuss their metrics. They discuss, hey, how did we go above and beyond for a client this week? Name a client that we catered to this week. And, you know, just really constantly getting feedback from the team of what's working, what's not working, what processes we need to tweak. So number one, I just think, you know, Taking care of your team and feeding them every now and again is super important, right? I just, right. I love having lunch with my team once a week. And two, I think, you know, taking care of your team also is making them feel like they matter and that their opinion in how the business is run matters because it does, right? And so I always love those weekly meetings where I'm getting that feedback of, hey, um, you know, this part of our process is a little wonky. Maybe we could do this instead first you know, or, hey, gave us a really great compliment the other day. Maybe we should be asking them for a referral, you know, and uncovering those those current and past client referral opportunities as well. So we call that uh, that Friday lunch. We call it family dinner in my office. We okay. all sit in the conference room for an hour. We eat and we just kind of talk about the, the week behind us and, you know, and, and what we need to tweak to continually get 1% better every week. I tell my team, we got to get 1% better every week. Yeah, I like that. So what I heard you say is having a celebration board for your team to celebrate and using families, number of families. I heard you say having a team lunch, having a team lunch once a week. Is that what you said? Yep, absolutely. And then team snacks as well. You do team snacks. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Fridge and cabinet is stocked every week. Nice. Yeah, I can see why people enjoy gravitate to you and feel like, you know, working for you is a cool. Well, man, I'm uh, honored that you would be on today, Matt. I, I you know, want to acknowledge you, number one, for your grit, like everything you've been through and where you are today. I want to acknowledge you for that, man. It takes uh, drive and motivation to get where you are. And it's not easy to go from a bank to a to a mortgage uh, banker. So anyways, I just want to acknowledge you for the time you spent with us today and the advice you've given. If someone wanted to contact you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, just email me or call the office. My email is super simple. 
It's just my first name. It's Matt at nfmlending.com. And our direct line in the office is 713-244-8780. Thank you again, Matt, for being on the show today. This is more Heat Barnes with Mortgages Reimagined. And there you have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the notes at heatbarns.com. And you can find out more about all the ways we can help you at heatbarns.com. That's it for this episode. Have a great week, and we'll talk next time.